right now. Today is the day that you choose to change the rest of your life. It is time to turn your setback into the greatest comeback story ever told. And nobody is more capable than you. This is the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast, the future number one weight loss podcast in the world. I am your host, Donato Russo. I hope you enjoy the show today. If this is your first time here and you enjoy the show, please subscribe and spread the word of the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast wherever you are and to whomever will listen. If you'd like to connect on social media or wherever else, check out my Linktree page, Linktree forward slash the Ranting Weight Watcher. Let's connect today. Donato Russo, I can't thank you enough for your podcast. It's been a game changer for me. By listening to your open open and honest experience, I find myself challenged and empowered to change. I now see this as a lifelong journey where I'm going, where I decide where I'm going, I decide how I'm going to get there, and I need to figure out what I need to consistently do to create the life I want. You've energized me, and I think I'm working harder and smarter with your input from your podcast, your rules, and of course, the creed. I feel as though you're my weight loss buddy that holds my feet to the fire and tells it all as it is. I have no doubt you'll be the number one podcast in the world. You already are number one in my book, and I always look forward to It's Friday! Welcome to episode 106. This is the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast. Man, oh man, how wonderful have these voicemails been that I've been receiving. And believe it or not, there's still a few, I'm going to play a few in this episode and there's still going to be one or two in the next episode in episode 107. So those, those phone lines are going to stay open indefinite. So if you want to call and you still want to make another voicemail, that's quite all right with me. I'll put it on the next episode. It doesn't matter. Whichever time you want to call in and make it, you can call in and I will put it on the next episode. 505-652-7268. Give a call today if you feel inspired to do so. Well, I got a packed show. So let's get into this. Journey updates. Well, we had a gain this week. It's a 1.6 pound gain. For the month of August, we are down 2.2 pounds. You know, this is kind of funny, right? Because this past week, for the first time ever, I exceeded my exercise goal. So, as you know, if you've been listening to me any amount of time here, I have a minimum and a maximum exercise goal for each week. So, minimum four days, maximum five days. And I always hit the minimum. There are times where I hit the maximum. But I've never gone over the maximum. And this past week, I did six days. In spite of so many... I was so determined to make sure I didn't lose any exercise that I end up with more. 
listen, here's how it really went. Sunday and Monday are always definitely walk days. Tuesday and Wednesday, which are normally off days or what, whatever they may be because I'm working on the podcast, they, there was a weird situation where the podcast had to be done sooner than planned. Tuesday comes, and I have work from 7.30 in the morning till 4. Then I have two hours, and then I have to go back to work from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. for training that I'm supposed to be receiving. And it's the same thing for this coming week, too. And it's probably for the next six weeks, five weeks, six weeks, something like that. But instead of sitting around trying to mess around with the podcast because I had already completed it for Tuesday and Wednesday. I used the two hours. I took an hour and a half of that. I went for an abbreviated walk. It wasn't as long of a walk for a Monday through Friday walk as it would be, but it was long enough. It was still over an hour. So it wasn't an hour and a half like the normal, but it was still over an hour. And then I got home, showered, and got ready to jump back into work at 6 p.m. So Sunday, Monday, I went on my normal walk. Tuesday, Wednesday, I had the abbreviated walk because of training. Thursday, I took, the, I took a rest day because I was working in the office that day. Friday and Saturday, I went from my normal walk. So for the first time ever, I had six days of exercise where my maximum is five, and I took advantage of that. <laughs> and what I get to for that advantage I took is a 1.6 pound gain. <laughs> Do you see how crazy this is? Do you see how a scale result can throw you into a, a, cra- a crazed fit? I go, I exceed above and beyond what I plan to do. And I get a gain in, re- in retaliation for it. But none of that matters. Because either way, if I want to make it to 200, I still got work to do, regardless. So our total weight loss since January 2019 is 155.8. We are 19.2 pounds away from the 175 milestone. And we are 44.2 pounds away from the 200-pound milestone. And we will continue to work regardless of what the scale says, especially when it tries to be spiteful and give me bad results for getting more work done. (laughs) I want to go back a few episodes here. So I think it was episode 103 where I talked about living versus existing. We're going to get into that a little deeper because at the end of that episode, I talked about wanting to get into golf. What am I waiting for? And I real, realized something. I didn't, it, it didn't hit me until that, that episode. And, and it didn't even hit me while I was making that episode, to be honest with you. As much as... It did afterwards when I was pursuing the golf thing. So when I was on my way to the 75-pound milestone, so we're going back some time here. Originally, 
I was approaching it and I wanted to hit the 75 pound milestone the Friday or the, I'm sorry, the Saturday before Thanksgiving that year. It was 2019 still because I hit the 50 pound mark in 2019. So in August, I hit the 50 pound milestone. So I started chasing 75 at that moment. And I wanted, and I set that goal in August when they handed me the 50 pound milestone. I set the goal of hitting 75 pounds by the Saturday weigh in before Thanksgiving 2019. So we approach, some things go wrong, the scale goes in the wrong direction, it throws off the deadline. So I shift the deadline and I say, by the Saturday before Christmas, weigh in. We get closer to that weigh in now. Again, the, 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 the scale is wildly fluctuating and it's throwing off and there's no way I can hit this goal. Needless to say, it wasn't until I believe February that I actually hit the 75-pound milestone. So the one lesson I learned from the 75-pound milestone was I would never apply another deadline to a weight loss goal. Never. But I didn't realize what I actually did. Because it's not as if I stopped setting deadlines. I just stopped setting deadlines regarding scale goals. As I did episode 103, I come to realize I moved it. The deadline thing, I moved it to life. So episode 103 talked about me wanting to get into golf. And I've been saying I want to get into golf since, God, I just, I, when I started Weight Watchers, I said it in this studio. And even then, people in the studio were saying, what are you waiting for? Just do it. Who cares if people are waiting behind you? I was so obsessed with being so slow that the people behind me would wait and because of my inexperience and because of my size at that time, I would be so slow and unable to move. I started setting deadlines to things that I think will bring joy to my life. As if I didn't deserve to play golf until I hit this goal deadline or this magical moment that didn't seem to come. And I don't know if at some point that magical moment in my head meant I had to hit 200 pounds in order to start trying to play golf. Because maybe that's really what it was. Maybe in my head, the deadline was get the 200-pound charm and then we'll talk. Then we'll talk about golf. I never intended to do this. It just happened. The guy... It was, it was kind of weird, and I just like, wow, when did I do this? When did I start doing this? So, you know, you have that aha moment, which has happened other times for other reasons. But let me tell you about golf a little bit. So now we have episode 103, and I'm challenged by my studio coach, Terry, and a number of other people. Listen. You're, you're pu- always pushing us. 
Now it's time. We're pushing you. We're calling you out. So the Friday that 103 came out, that Saturday, the next day after I was challenged, my one goal was to find a driving range and figure out what do I need to go? How does it work? Do I need an appointment? Whatever it is. So I find one and it's literally less than two miles from my house. And they wanted proof that I went. I took a picture of myself. I took a selfie right in front of the building so you could see the sign on the building. So I walk into the the golf place. I go up to the counter. There's the guy. And they tell me that, you know, they're telling me the prices. You get a basket of this many balls for this much money and all this stuff. And any clubs you need to rent, you can rent a club for $5. I was like, okay, so, and I asked, do I need a reservation? And they said, well, what time do you think you're going to come? And I said, I'll come next Saturday at right around this time. And so it was around noon that I was there. And they were like, no, 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 that should be perfect. And I just thought it was weird that I didn't need a reservation. So I got a little nervous. And during that week, I decided to call a bunch of other places. And what I found was all of the golf courses that had driving ranges, if I was going to do it, the prices were way, way higher. I had to rent an entire set of clubs. I couldn't just rent one club. We decided that it just made more sense to go to this other place. We get there the next Saturday. The guy helps us out. We get our basket of balls. 165 golf balls to share between the three of us. So me, my wife, and my daughter. And we each get a club. And then he threw in a driver and a putter because they had a putting green, you know, and, and my daughter was really funny. It's funny because my daughter really wanted to do the putting green so badly. I said, well, we saved three of the balls. And I said, we're going to hit all of these other ones first. And then when we're down to these three, we're going to go to the putting green and we're going to mess around. I realized quickly, I am definitely going to need to become consistent in making contact with the ball first before I ever go to a golf course to actually play golf. If I get a, a basket of 165 balls and I'm making contact with... I don't know, let's say, let's say well over half of them, right? Maybe three quarters. When I'm making contact with the, the, the ball three quarters of the time, then I'll start pursuing going to a golf course to actually play golf and see how I do there. But until then, I'm going to be at the driving range pr- practicing the, that part of the game at least. I was a little mad because some of the times where it sounded like I nailed the crap out of the ball, I couldn't see where it went. (laughs) I didn't know where it went. I was so mad about it because it sounded so good. It was such a good hit. I said, well, where'd it go? Where'd it go? I don't see it. But hey, what are you going to do? You can't have everything you want, right? (laughs) Uh, We end off the driving range portion. We have three balls left. It's time to go over to the putting. And now my daughter's all excited because she's wanted to do this literally the entire time. And we didn't want her like out of our sight and doing that by herself. 
we go over there and I'm trying my best to hit a ball here and hit a ball there. And I'm, I'm doing like, I'm messing around because I'm not trying to take myself so seriously. So I'm not putting the ball right up to the hole and tapping it in. I'm going from the one that's furthest because there were, I don't know, five or six cups in the putting green area. So wherever I threw the ball, I went for the one that was furthest away. That was the rule I gave myself. And it took me forever. I just kept knocking the ball so far past the cup. Then I would just go for a different cup. Wherever it stopped, I went for a different cup. And kept going from there, from there, and from there. And then I hear my daughter say, this is easy. <laughs> so I said, like, what do you mean it's easy? And I'm watching what she's doing. She's got the club on the ground. And she's just dragging the ball <laughs> to the cup. She's not swinging and, and hitting the ball. She's just dragging it over to the closest cup. <laughs> and she's like, this is so easy. <laughs> I started laughing, but it was hilarious. So we get our fill of the putting green and we decide, okay, it's time to go. We're all sweating. It's time to uh, get out of there and get home. And so I feel like the first attempt at all of this was pretty successful. It was fun. We had a good time and we're definitely going to do it again. So now in order to become consistent with this, I have to come with some sort of plan of how often I'm going to go. It can't be this sporadic thing if I expect to become hitting the ball consistently. It has to be a regular trip to that driving range. However I do it, I'm not sure yet. But we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Ginny from Central New York. I wanted to express my gratitude to Donato for his podcast and his Facebook group, RWW Consistency Challenge. Both the podcast and Facebook group have been instrumental in helping me lose my last few pounds, getting me back to my lifetime Weight Watcher goal, and more importantly, maintaining. It is a lifetime journey, and I wouldn't want to be going through it with anyone else. I'm off my expensive diabetic medication and have done things out of my comfort zone, being able to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I have learned so much over the 100 episodes of podcasts. I love that you can scroll with descriptions and re-listen to those when I need them. I have also found a sisterhood in the Facebook group. Joanne has helped with my exercise attire and routines. Allison got me hooked on Kodiak muffins, which have been a lifesaver. And just to name a few, Charlotte, Terry, Sherry, Phyllis, and Taylor have been instrumental with inspiration and motivation. My only regret is that I didn't know about the podcast sooner and that we all live across the country and don't meet in person. I look forward to new podcast episodes every Friday. Donato, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Hi Donato, my name is Kathy. I am ringing from Australia and I have just recently been listening to your podcast and I must say they have got lots of gold. At first I didn't quite um, agree with some of the things that you were saying but I know recently I was listening to an episode where you were talking about how your health is more important um, than food and that your 200 pound charm was more important than food and that really hit home for me because I'm really close to my 15 kilo mark which or my 20 kilo mark which is my goal and that is 44 pounds 
And so I've had that front and centre in every decision that I make regarding my food choices because I really want to get to my goal. So I just want to thank you so much for your podcast. Um, Like I said, every episode has got gold in it and I'm really grateful that you share the hard conversations because there um, there is a lot of truth in what you have to say. So all the best with your, um, um, with your show and, um, yeah, just congratulations on all you've achieved. That's great. Hey, Donna Russo, Jane Rasco here. It's Friday, so let's get to it. I just want you to know that I love everything you do. I love the podcast. I love your messages. I look forward to you each and every week and on your daily walks when you post. So, let's get to it. I love each and every one of you. God bless you all. Hello, Donato. It's Marie. Knock-knock. It's Friday! I just wanted to say that was the worst impression ever. Uh, But when I think of you, that's exactly what I think of. And I think of all the inspiration that you give everyone. And I look forward to your videos each and every week and your um, your podcast each week. And I just want to thank you so much for all your inspiration. And um, I know that uh, that was a terrible impression. Um, but thanks so much for all you do for everyone. I really loved the 100th episode. It made me cry. It made me laugh. Um, I've listened to it four or five times because it was so inspirational Um, and I just hope that you have many years and um, I just hope that everyone who listens to your podcast feels the way I do I get so much out of it thanks again for all you do for everyone take care and God bless you too and we are back Thanks for sticking with me. So, when we came home that day, I started really thinking about the entire situation. What else have I give deadlines to? What else have I said I really want to get back into or, you know, return to or start doing? One of the two, whatever it is. This, the fact that I went and did this when I did it made me realize... You know how I can't stand, I can't stand non-scale victories, okay? Because they are emotional. They are not logical. It's based on feeling. I don't like that because you know why? Feelings lie, okay? You're going to feel whatever you want to feel at any given moment. If you give yourself, the mind is a powerful thing. If, if the mind wasn't as powerful as it is, listen, there would be no placebos in drug tests, okay? There would be no placebo pills given to test subjects in drug trials if the mind wasn't as powerful as it is. And so when you find a reason to apply the words non-scale victory to something, it could be literally to anything just to make yourself feel good. Now, don't get me wrong. There are legitimate non-scale victories. And when I, they do happen, I reluctantly celebrate them. But the overwhelming majority, I don't. And I'm not telling you that's what you got to do. 
I'm just saying this is what I do. I don't like them. But here is a way to apply the non-scale victory that I never realized. That non-scale victory can easily be applied to this first trip to the driving range. So when I was thinking about the other things I want to do, I want to get back into ping pong. Now, now all of you are probably chuckling like ping pong. What's the deal? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you a little back into time here. In high school, I wasn't the model student, okay? I was a guy that just got enough done to do... Look, I had the knowledge and the brains to do any of it, but I just didn't feel like doing it. So to motivate me to do something took a lot of power. As we fulfilled our requirements in high school, there were certain things you had to take for so many years, right? So like you had to take science for this many years. You had to take math for this many years, history for this many years. And once you fulfilled that obligation, you didn't need to take it anymore. You can now replace it with an elective course. So now most people would start applying that to whatever it is they want to do when they go to college. But to be honest with you, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So you know what I did? (laughs) I applied it to an additional gym class. So every time I fulfilled a requirement of another academic class, I changed it to a gym class. So there were, by the time I was in my junior year, I was having three or four gym classes a day. So I was spending so much time in the gym that I didn't really do anything. So now my friends see that I did this and I was allowed to do it. So they all started doing the same things. They started to get extra gym classes and then hang out with me. So we're all sitting there on the bleachers. And my, my gym teacher, Mr. Passero, he, he would come out and he'd go, Jesus, guys, just bounce a ball or something so I can give you credit for being here. <laughs> Make pretend that I matter or something, you know, kind of a thing. Like, <laughs> it was so funny. But we would hang out on the bleachers. And then one day, he comes rolling out with this thing. It's like something on wheels. And we're like, what the hell is Passero doing? And we see he puts one side down. He puts another side down. It's a ping pong table. So we're all like interested now, like ping pong, right? And so him and another, I believe it was another gym teacher at the time, start hitting the ball back and forth. So now we all, all of us, every single one of us that's, that, lit, that basically followed my lead and have like three and four gym classes a day are now all peaked with interest. Like, ooh, ping pong. What's ping pong? Right? And so began the probably the best part of my junior year of high school was playing ping pong. Okay? We were going crazy with it. Going crazy with it. And then we found... A belt. Now, so you know when you're lifting weights, you have the support belt that you put on when you're going to lift weights. 
and it's supposed to help support your back and all that stuff, right? So in the weightlifting room, we found this belt and it said champion on it. <laughs> so then this became the championship belt for the ping pong tournament. And we started ranking people and all kinds of stuff. We're drawing brackets and we're saying, all right, we're, we're arranging the whole thing that like the ping pong tournament to decide who is going to be the champion. <laughs> and we go through it or whatever. And we decide, you know, my classmate, Jason, who became the champion and basically kept it. He was the most athletic one out of all of us. He basically kept it the entire time we were obsessed with ping pong. Until he decided he was done or until we moved on to different things. He was the champion. But in the process, we found out that the city of Stanford, Connecticut has a ping pong tournament every year. We said, okay. And a friend of mine, Ray, I've told you about him before in previous episodes. He was my best friend. We decide we're going in for it. We're going to go and do it. So it was on a Saturday. I go and pick him up. We come back. The, the tournament is being held at our school in our gym. So really... It was nothing to go and get him and then go to the school and do this. We go in there and we find out that it's grouped by age. And me and my friend Ray are basically <laughs> the only two people in our age group. <laughs> so it was guaranteed that we would both go home with a trophy. It was just about who would be number one and who would be number two. <laughs> so we get into our match and I beat him so I'm the city champion <laughs> Stanford Connecticut city champion and so I went around touting that I was city champ <laughs> all over the place <laughs> and so even though I never, I never led on to the fact that it was only two people in the age group I just said, I was, hey, listen, that's the truth. I was city champ. How I did it is irrelevant. The fact that I did it is all that's relevant. Because <laughs> the fact that I only had to beat one person to become city champ doesn't take away the fact that I was city champ. So I ran with it. And so every time, you know, me and my friend would talk crap to each other. And because at that, that, at that point, I, had, I was so obsessed with ping pong that I had to own my own table. So I saved up money, did what I needed to do, and I bought my own ping pong table. And soon, everything we were doing in school, we were doing at home. Drawing up brackets, all my friends from the neighborhood were coming over, and we're all taking on, you know, in getting into ping pong. And you know what? In the craziest times of my life, because this is right up until the time, this is leading up to my father's death at this point. And so the craziest time of my life is approaching where I could go in any direction. I can go and start hanging around with the wrong crowd and getting into drugs and alcohol and everything else. But it's almost as if being so obsessed with ping pong kind of saved me from that. Maybe I'm being a little, maybe I'm exaggerating a little. I don't know. 
I don't know that I would ever have that kind of problem because my drug of choice was food, not the other drugs out there. I mean, I was always the one that turned it down. The, the next year came and we decided to go in for it again, thinking that, you know, it would be just the two of us and it'd be like a rematch. But one other kid was there. And so my friend Ray drew him in the first round. And be, because I was champ, I got a buy into the second round. So I faced this kid, this newcomer, and uh, he beat me. I ended up going home with second place. But I noticed something in the process. I noticed that the extra weight I had gained in the year, I basically, at the end of that match, through that match, because my knee was hurting and my back was hurting, holding my own weight up, my back knee, my back and knee were both hurting. And no matter how much I wanted to play when we went home and joined all of our friends from the neighborhood and we were doing all these things, all I could do was talk because I couldn't stand on my feet long enough. And really to, to beat me at that point because of the weight I had gained, all you needed to do was keep me standing there. Keep the game going as long as possible. Now, the tournament rules, if I remember correctly, was a race to 21. The first one to get to 21 would win. And the serve would switch every five, every five serves. So that was the... And now, before we had gotten into it, we had always played to 15. So for some reason, it was I could get to 15. But I couldn't get to 21 at least not in the second year. The first year I got to 21, no problem. But the second year, I couldn't get to 21. And so I threw the rest of that match because my back was hurting trying to hold up my own weight. And it's funny that I look back and I remember that because I remember making the choice, ah, forget it, it's not worth it. Either way, I go home with a trophy it's not worth it to keep going. My back is hurting. And you think that that would have fueled me because there were other age brackets above mine, right? And it went all the way to adults. This, didn't, this wasn't just a kid thing. It went all the way to adults. And I could have easily applied what I do now at that point in my life, come back the next year and been in a completely different position and not have to worry about my back hurting from holding myself up. But instead, I went even further in the wrong direction. So when I told you in 2004 I was 460 pounds, this was my climb to 460 pounds. And this was part of it. So not only my knee was hurting, not only my back was hurting, trying to play ping pong with my friends. Then my ankle started hurting too, just trying to hold myself up. And again, food was so much more important to me. You would think that if I would just apply what I, the anger or the, the desire to lose weight that I have now, 
if I would have applied it then, maybe I still be playing now. Maybe I would still be enjoying this. But I kept eating. And you know the rest of the story. I hit 460 pounds. Gastric bypass took me to 277. Then I wasted 15 years of my life going back to 403 right before joining Weight Watchers in 2019. So that's, the, that's another goal I have. To get back into ping pong. To get to a point where to start trying to play again, number one. And number two, if things are hurting me to play, to do the work that needs to be done to improve those things. Now, my knee is in a different place now, having lost 157 pounds. So maybe it wouldn't bother me so much holding myself up for that period of time. Maybe my back wouldn't bother me so much either, considering I've lost 150 some odd pounds, whatever it is. I don't know unless I do. Now, I, I have a question for you guys. What has your poor relationship with food stopped you from doing? Are there things like my stories here, wanting to play golf? Are there things like that in your life? Because if we really think about it, even if we started trying to do the things and we weren't able to do them the way we wanted, they could be a baseline for improvement. They could be the beginning of something that replaces eating. How crazy would it be if one day someone who battled emotional eating and had a joy for ping pong, if they achieved that moment where instead of the emotion taking them to the refrigerator, the emotion took them to the ping pong table, how incredible would that be? How much of a non-scale victory would that moment be? So what's your list look like? What has your relationship with food held you back from doing? And if you really want to get back into that thing, even if it's a little bit, what can you do now? And how could that be the baseline to your return to the one thing you guys, you love to do, whatever it is. Choosing to live, not to exist. Now, these two examples might sound so stupid, playing golf and ping pong. But there are two things, I, one I always wanted to do, and one I really miss doing. You know, Les Brown said this the best. So I'm just going to let him say it. He said, but imagine, if you will, being on your deathbed and standing around your bed, the ghost of the ideas, 
the dreams, the abilities, the talents given to you by life and that you, for whatever reason, you never acted on those ideas, you never pursued that dream, you never used those talents, we never saw your leadership, you never used your voice, you never wrote that book, and there they are standing around your bed looking at you with large angry eyes saying, we came to you and only you could have given us life. And now we must die with you forever. And the question is, if you die today, what ideas, what dreams, what abilities, what talents, what gifts will die with you? Of all of the things that mankind has invented, created, manufactured. There is one thing no one has been able to do. And that one thing is create time. You can't manufacture it. You can't purchase it. For all we know of it, is we all have a certain amount of time. And none of us knows our expiration date. Just based on the way I've laid that out, wouldn't that make time the most valuable thing on the planet? Yet, it is the one thing we waste the most of. I have a question for you. What if you used some of your time to come up with that list of things that you always wanted to do or the things that you always wanted to get back into and that for whatever reason, your struggle with your health has stopped you from doing? What if you follow my lead here and you take baby steps to get back into those things or to start doing those things? What could it look like if you yourself started doing the things you've always wanted to do? Would there be any time to struggle in the same ways you do with food? if you were pursuing these things, regardless of how much you cannot do, whatever you can do, if you were actually taking steps to go toward the things you've always wanted to do or the things you've always wanted to get back to doing, whatever little things is a victory, no matter how small, you aren't doing it today. So every step forward toward it is a victory. A true non-scale victory is possible. And yet we sit and do everything else the exact same way as we've always done it. And we have the exact same struggles and we've always had and we wonder why. If we could just figure out how to use the time we have on this planet in a wise way 
Maybe, just maybe, the struggles we have wouldn't be struggles anymore. Maybe, just maybe, life would just be a little bit easier. A little bit easier to get to where you want to be. It doesn't have to be the way you've accepted it to be. There are other ways. Listen, it does, no one said it was going to be easy. It's just about you've accepted it because it's comfortable and you can't you can control how you're comfortable. And if you really want what you say you want, it's going to be very uncomfortable. But is it worth it? Is all of the uncomfortable feeling you're going to have to chase it worth it? Do you want it that badly that you're willing to step forward into the uncomfortable unknown and do what needs to be done? I love each and every one of you. God bless you all.